Hi friends, Darren Watts here at Double Take Sports Talk. If you haven't heard about the Anchor app, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free. Secondly, there's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. I did it the other day and it's very easy to do. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it could be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more wherever you listen to your uh, podcast at that point. You can make money from the podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So, what's the next steps? I'm glad you asked. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is anchor.fm. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time. Put those earbuds in, turn up the volume, because it's the time for another edition of Double Take Sports Talk with the Watch Brothers right now. Today's objective is understanding Bubba Wallace's life, I should say. <laughs> yeah. You talk about uh, his breaking point mainly. So I guess today's objective is understanding Bubba Wallace's breaking point in his life with uh, racism. But before we get into that, Joe, how you doing? Well, cool. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. A little down, but not too shabby. Yeah, welcome to the club. I'm with you there. With you there. Yeah. I'm cool. How are you? Same. Down, but good. I'm definitely down. Hopefully, I can turn it around tomorrow and be done with it. New day tomorrow. Sir. We'll see how it goes. See how it goes. Okay. Let's get into this real quick. Let's talk about Bubba Wallace. This is a going to be a four-part series. Make sure I got that right. Yes, this is going to be a four-part series going this starting uh, pretty much with his breaking point in his career about racism, and then we'll go into uh, working with Michael Jordan, Denny Hamlin tomorrow, and then either on Saturday or on Monday we'll get into expectations with his new team, and then we'll talk about on Tuesday how NASCAR is changing because of what Bubba Wallace did. So let's do it. Bubba Wallace. Now, as we all infinitely know, Bubba Wallace have kept quiet at the beginning of all of this. Um, he was pretty much like how mean you was, Duro. He was just, okay. One black person get killed there. Brush it off. Another black person get killed there. Okay. Brush it off. And then... Um, one night at home, he's playing 
called to duty. So he's playing the video game in late May. Yeah. Um, about right around midnight is where he saw the video of two white men hunting and killing Ahmed Aubrey while he was jogging down the street, of course, mm-hmm. in Georgia, as the third man recorded it. So, during this course, this is when he was, you know, really not speaking on it, but right. it was just like, okay, I recognize it, I see it, it's inside of me, mm-hmm. but the courage in me just don't have enough to speak up about it. But after he saw this video, something snapped, something changed for our man Aubrey. You and I, it was George Floyd. But for him, it was Ahmed Arbery. Because when you think about it, he looking at the color of his skin, and Bubba Wallace was 24 years old, and Ahmed Arbery was 25 at the time. So he's like, hello? You know, just that attention span. So Wallace's girlfriend, Amanda, asked him if he was okay. Nah, I feel a different kind of hurt. And it's not a hurt that you get when you lose a race. This is a more, <clears throat> far more serious hurt based off. <coughs> based off of. Sorry. Kind of reflecting the last time this happened to me. Okay, so this was a different type of hurt, and it was nowhere near compared to losing the race. Mm-hmm. That was just his breaking point right there with Amanda Aubrey. That just said, you know what, this is not going to work for me. I got to speak up about this. Everything that's going on in the world, the innocent killings, and it's just like, I, I something got to be done. People asking for my opinions, and that point, not that my opinion matters, but they still want to know what the lone black NASCAR driver has to say. So not speaking out about it, about unarmed black people getting killed, was the biggest mistake of my life. And I have to agree with Bubba Wallace. Me too. It's definitely the biggest mistake. Mm-hmm. It's the biggest mistake ever. Oh, yeah. By the time police officer killed the police officer killed George Floyd in late May, Wallace said that he just could not stay silent. That was actually it as well. Yeah. Um, he opened up about his anguish and his grief. He did massive emotions when talking about black people being killed, uh, and he shared his jarring personal stories of police brutality. Now he did that. And you and I shared our racist stories about. Um, Speedway police officer and a gentleman that I dealt with at work a very long time ago. In Atlanta, back in June, he wore the I Can't Breathe in a Black Lives Matter t-shirt written on the front of it. And the next day, in a, mo- in a moment of ignited and long overdue change in NASCAR, I watched this interview because he went on CNN's Tonight with Don Lemon. And he went on and called for uh, the series of governing body to ban the Confederate flag. Not two days later, they did. Shocking move. Shocked me to tears. Like, what? They actually took the Confederate flag away? You know, those folks down, folk, even... them down, them folks down south, they Dang. really 
Because that was like, you really didn't even have to, you really didn't have to ask. It was just like, it didn't even take them, because most people respond to things like that, it was just taking them months. Maybe yeah, exactly. Two days? Two days. That, show, that shows mutual respect, and it also shows who they really care for. Mm-hmm. Who they really care for. So after he, so after NASCAR did that, and hours after that, Bubba Wallace hit the track at Martinsville in Virginia with that hashtag Black Lives Matter paint scheme on his car, and that created stirs. Yeah, yeah. and it seemed impossible for NASCAR, but what it did was was it gained a far more reputation than than most people can imagine. Especially in the blackers. Exactly. It really did. Bubba Wallace became more vocal about racism and injustice. He really did. Because um, I've watched it. Because, you know, this is the spotlight, you know, beyond him and his control. So doing all of this really shook him up. Because he's like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm speaking out. But he didn't ask to be a victim. A suspected hate crime that was being investigated with the uh, noose uh, by the FBI, FBI a couple weeks later. He didn't ask to be defamed with lies in, by Twitter or on Twitter by former President Donald Trump. It's moments like these that we go back and we reflect on these and we think yeah. about them. And <clears throat> Bubba Wallace is doing the same thing. He's thinking about it and he's reminding himself. You know, okay, this is what I went through. This is my story. But his story continues. Because that's when he uh, started teaming up with Michael Jordan and Demi Demi Hamlin. That really turned more of a bigger platform for him, teaming up with the greatest basketball player in the NBA and one of the teammates that you – Competitive, you you know, competing the size with, so teaming up with them two, uh, we'll get into that story tomorrow. But his story, going back to how this was a breaking point for him, Ahmed Arbery and George Floyd, and all the things that went through with that after that. But we'll talk about Michael Jordan and the team with Bubba Wallace and Denny Hamlin tomorrow. That is all I have. Anything else want to add? No sir. All right. What you got for sports? Alright. Um, I'm going to sink it in a little bit, take a look at uh, last night's game with the uh, Brooklyn Nets and the uh, Indiana Pacers. Mm-hmm. So, say right now, since we're on the subject of the Indiana Pacers, they're currently playing right now. They're down 11 to 8 in the first quarter. They just pretty much started to the Detroit Pistons. Wait a minute. Rephrase that. And this is a figure of speech saying, so mm-hmm. think about this when I say it. Okay. Did they start, but did they not start? Did they come prepared to play, or are they just still sitting on the sidelines? You know what? Because you they have been slipping. They have been slipping. You. So I'm curious to know. And you you said it made me think about something. It kind of makes me think about if now 
I should go and just be a complete 1,000% smart ass and just speak for Victor Oladipo and say, y'all miss me? <laughs> y'all miss me? Mm-hmm. You know? I'm- but see, there, there's one thing that you can't rule out right now. Curious LeVert, right? Right now, he's still going through some health issues yeah. that are underlying the fact that he can't play off. Right. So, I can't actually speak on that behalf, but that's what I'm saying. That's just something to think about. Absolutely. Smart Absolutely. And to be like, you know, speak for Victor Lodipo. Y'all miss yeah. me? Y'all miss you know, me. Because it's just like he'd been sitting here for the longest and it was like, people are giving up on me. Period. And it's not just and it's not just the Pacers. It's it just like not the, the Pacers. It look like the Rockets are. are they next. are, and I mentioned that on the podcast that he's on the trade block, and I even uh, read the Bleachers Report mm-hmm. um, article on the suggestions that uh, that he could possibly land at yeah. different teams. Yeah, and it was five of them. So it's it's like, hey, you you know y'all y'all really putting yourself to this point. I'm like, y'all not really giving Victor Oladipo a chance, but no, some things just happen like that. Yeah. It happens like that. It's not fair, but it yeah. It happens. It happens. So um last night, um, I'm just gonna say right now that the Pacers just straight out got dominated again and the thund- uh, Thunder and the Nets redeemed themselves off their loss the other day. Mm-hmm. And they had won this one uh one four to ninety four. Um, the Brooklyn Nets had led as many as 36 points last night. Uh, leading score for the Pacers. I like the balancing scoring, but not over 20 points. Uh, Devontae Sabonis had led the team in points for the Pacers. He had 18. Uh, Michael Brogdon had 15. Doug McDermott and Justin Holliday both had 12 apiece. And T.J. McConnell had 13. Mm-hmm. So, I like the balance scoring on that behalf. They just need to win. They just, exactly. They need to win. They need to win. For the Nets, um, the highest score on this uh, for the Nets was, uh, of course, Kyrie Irving. He had 35. Everybody else is under 20. Uh, Joe Harris had 17. DeAndre Jordan had 12. Harden had 19. Uh, yeah. And Durant didn't play last uh, night. But they say he didn't play because he's still under he's still protocol, under right? Protocol, yeah. yeah. So. But Carl Anthony Towns came back last night. Mr. Towns. Oh, yeah, he did. He uh, came back. He looked like he had just, uh, it looked, he, he looks refreshed, but at the same time, he still looked like he was. Still battle a little bit of COVID there. Just the way that he looked, it looked like he's just dealing with the aftermath. Yeah, of, everybody uh, has the aftermath of COVID. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, it was good to see him back on the court. Yeah. It really was. It was really good to see him back on the court. Of course, the, um, they lost the other night, too. So, that's mm. that was a big bummer. Yeah. So, with the um, with the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, man. Straight charts. Um... The oh wow oh and the Pacers led as many as two. So. Now the biggest problem that I like to see improve with 
both the Pacers and the Nets. Um, these cats have got to shoot better from the three-point line. Build the Nets, anyway. Uh, 29%. And they did well at the free throw line. They shot 88%, but the Pacers only shot 63% from the foul line. That has to improve, too. And they both shot 30, Pacers both shot 39% from three-point range and uh, from the court itself. So, it's an equal balance, but it still looks like they just need some improvements, believe it or not. Um, the second chance points was the balance between them two. Uh, Pacers won that battle anyway, 21-20. to I don't know why they didn't win that game. But I don't know why they didn't win that game. But they just really just got straight out dominated at that point of the game. Two lead changes on both sides. So the Brooklyn Nets are, uh, they're trying to redeem themselves. They're trying to actually get themselves into a better position that they can actually win. So leads me to this question. Both teams have the night off. Who would you say, just out of one, would be, didn't you just say the Pacers playing Detroit now? No, I'm talking about uh, the Nets and the Knicks. Oh. They both had the night off. Okay. Um, who would you say with the Knicks is their best player of all time? Best a player of, of all time? Yes. Here's a couple of suggestions. Carmella Anthony, Willis Reed, Earl Monroe, Walt Frazier, and Patrick Ewing. I'm going to have to say Patrick Ewing. I'm going to say Walt Frazier. I'm going to say Patrick Ewing. Although he never won an NBA championship, I'm going with Patrick Ewing. There's no doubt about it. I'll say Walt Frazier because Walt Frazier, he brought a unique perspective to the Knicks. So the Ewing. Ewing, well. Ewing. Let me. Here's the thing about Patrick Ewing that I think really outdid. Walt Frazier. When Patrick Ewing was healthy, you couldn't stop him. I mean healthy. A dude that could jump a vertical like crazy. A dude that could block shots. A dude that could slam on people. A dude that could jump from the free throw line. Dude that can shoot that mid-range jumper. Patrick Ewing, I just watched the uh, highlight mix of him the other day and I was the This was Ewing? Jesus Christ. Ewing. Ewing. Okay. Until the knees started bothering me. Yeah. Started bothering and what, you know who helped bring him out, in my personal opinion? Pat Riley. Not quite, but yes. I think Pat Riley helped him. I'm talking about on the court. Oh, who? Mark Jackson. That's true, too. Mark Jackson. Because he was on some of those highlights. Yeah. Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson. See, that's why, I, this is why I say Walt Frazier. I say Walt Frazier because even though that he did bring a uniqueness to the Knicks, mm-hmm. His defensive standpoint matched just as much as Ewing, even though he didn't have that vertical, even though he didn't have that stance to actually be that defensive leader like Ewing. But he was tall for a point guard. Well, Frazier was tall. He's tall. He was enabled to actually play lockdown defense. Right. Potential. Just lockdown defense. Mm -hmm. And I think he only won, what, one ring? And that was in 1972, 70, two? or 71? I think it was, I don't remember. I don't remember either. 
It's one of the two. It was one of the two. But I could say for uh, Walt Frazier, to me, he, that man was, he was the man, period. Mm -hmm. He was the man. Mm -hmm. I can't I, knock anything against Willis Reed either, but well, I, yeah, I just I just I just I liked uh, Patrick Ewing's way of being able to hold players accountable on the on a on a leader standpoint. And that's absolutely Charles true Oakley too. and Charles Smith and especially John Starks. Yeah. I mean with Ewing he was an eleven time all star, so yeah. He was on a three time all defensive team, so and he's one of the top ten centers in the NBA history. So you can't knock that. And mm -hmm. Walt Frazier he had career average of 19.3 points per game with 6.1 rebounds, 6.3 assists, and two steals per game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, you can't knock either one of those. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, uh, I, I just choose Walt Frazier, so that's. I'm choosing Patrick Ewing. Oh, chewing. Yep, oh, chewing. Yep. But other than that, that's all I have to do. Anything else? I actually do, because I thought this is what you was going to talk about. Mainly, I didn't think you was going to go into that. Uh, Marty Scottenheimer passing away at the age of 77. And Kobe Bryant's uh, latest investigation. Yeah, I was going to do that tomorrow. Okay, that's all I have. All right, so the uh, thoughts on podcast, right? Think no. All right, so let's go ahead and take a look at what happened on this day in sports history for February 11th, back in time. Uh, 1878, the first U.S. Bicycle Club, Boston Bicycle Club, was formed. 1922, the Toronto St. Patrick's and the Ottawa Senators recorded the first tie game in the NHL history. 1957, the NHL Players Association was formed in New York City. Uh, Ted Lindsay of the Detroit Red Wings was elected as president. 1966, Willie Mays became the highest paid player in baseball. Uh, he signed a two-year contract with the San Francisco Giants for $130,000 a year. 1968. The new 20,000-seat Madison Square Garden officially opened in New York. This was the fourth garden. Hmm. Wow. Didn't know that. Wow. I didn't know that either. Did not know that. Oh, wow. In 1971, Gene Bellevue of the Montreal Canadiens scored his 500th career goal. 1973, the Philadelphia 76ers lost their 20th game of the of a 20-game losing streak. How does that make sense? Read that again. The Philadelphia 76ers lost their 20th game of a 20-game losing streak. How did they do it? The Philadelphia Phillies? 76ers. 76ers? Mm-hmm. Maybe they didn't play. Maybe they was on a actual losing streak. Maybe they started off at five hundred. Maybe. Maybe they was above five hundred. Yeah, I figured you have an update. Um, maybe they was above five hundred. I might have to look at that up at some point. All right. Um.
1984, Wayne Gretzky set an NHL record when he scored his 11th shorthand goal of the season. 1986, the single Super Bowl shuffle by the Chicago Bears shuffling crew was certified gold by the RIAA. 1990, in Tokyo, Japan, James Buster Douglas knocked out Mike Tyson in the 10th round to win the heavyweight championship. Last but not least, 2003, Mike Badano of the Dallas Stars became the only only the second American-born NHL player to play in 1,000 games with the same team. All of McDonald's games had come with the Minnesota North Stars and Dallas Stars. Ryan Leach of the New York Rangers was the first American-born player to play in 1,000 NHL games. Okay. Go back and read the Philadelphia 76ers again. I, I figured it out. They finished 9-73 Read it again. Yeah. Uh, they lost their 20th game over a 20 game loser streak. This dude look like Michael Carter Williams. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, so they started the season 0-15 and later lost 20 consecutive, 20 consecutive games. Over 20 games? No, it just said that it, uh, that they started the season 0-15 and later uh, later lost 20 consecutive games. So if they did that, their 20th loss, or their 20th game that they lost was part of that 20-game losing streak. If they, were, they start the season 0 and 15. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Winning percentage of 11. That's the same record in reverse that the Golden State Warriors finished. They couldn't even win the NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. Too busy trying to beat the Bulls record, they couldn't even win. No. Something wrong with that picture. Mm-hmm. But yeah. That's all I have for this day of sports history for back in time. For February 11th. So if there's nothing else, we'll get right this bad boy. We'll get on out of here. Yep. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is another edition of Double Take Sports Talk. Thank you for downloading to the listening to our podcast. I am Daryl. Dennis right across from me. Yep. All right, catch you with another episode of Double Take Sports Talk. Until then. Ciao. Ciao.